0: Today we have arrived, as you know, to the first uh, Sunday of Advent. And uh, the Gospel for this Sunday is from Saint Mark. Jesus said to his disciples, Be watchful, be alert, you do not know when the time will come. Is like a man traveling abroad, he leaves home and places his servants in charge, each with his own work, and orders the gatekeeper to be on watch. Watch, therefore, you do not know when the Lord of the house is coming, whether in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow or in the morning. May he not suddenly find you sleeping. But I say to you, I say to all, watch. So several times the Lord Mm. invites us to be alert, to be watching. Several times using this imagery, he uses the gatekeeper who watches a a home that could uh, be attacked by invaders or simply by the Lord who comes back, the Lord of the house a bit like a soldier who has to keep his post, even though nothing seems to be happening, there's no invasion, the enemy is not arriving, the enemy could come, but the soldier who has to be on guard, he has to stay focused, he has to stay alert, especially since he doesn't know when when this could happen. When an invasion can happen, I remember, if I can tell a personal story from my childhood, my my father telling me how, when he was a child, they had to escape from the city of Breslau in Germany at the end of the war, 1945, because the Russians were overrunning that area of Silesia in. What was uh, basically Eastern Germany, northeastern Germany, and uh, many people were fleeing the cities, many refugees, and uh, they ended up um, in a place called Gretz, that's It's relatively small town, and they didn't know when the soldiers were coming. And of course, when you're on the run, you need you need shelter, and uh, he recounts how they got shelter in a home where they thought they would have several rooms to themselves, but, uh, but at the end there were many other families there as well. So they got one little room to keep shelter. He, his mother, his siblings, his, his father was at the front. So they got shelter there. And his mother told him he was uh, eight or nine years old, Okay, now you go to sleep and uh, we have to get rest to be strong for tomorrow. And as he looked out the window, he saw a soldier standing on guard outside the house. It was a German soldier. And he was marching back and forth, keeping very alert. Everything seemed to be in order. So he said, "Okay, well, there's a German soldier watching. And they had been escaping the Russians, who had a very bad reputation for being very violent. But overnight, the city or the town was overtaken, not by Russians, but by the Allies, by by American soldiers. The, The GIs, as they say, they heard some commotion. They heard some noise. They weren't quite sure, but they just stayed hunkered down in their little room. They heard gunfire, grenades, explosions, hollering. Early the next morning he looked out and they they were told that now the town had had been taken over by American soldiers. And as he looked out, the soldier that he had seen before, the German soldier who was very standing up and straight, was no longer there, now there was an American G.I., And he was sitting back, he had his his gun back behind him, and uh, he was kind of like, I don't know, throwing it back. He was completely relaxed, uh, not a problem, not a care in the world, it seemed. And he was very struck by the difference, because the one was alert for the possible danger. The other, they had won the battle, they had taken over the city, there was no more enemy to take, to come at least that was the perception to that soldier. There was still danger, but, but for now they had taken over the town and it changed his whole demeanor. Though I was told that uh, one of the reasons children liked American GIs is because uh, they would give them Mars bars. And, uh, they always liked getting Mars bars from the soldiers because that uh, was sometimes the only lunch you could have. its was a majbar bar that a soldier would give you. And so, a soldier watches. And today, there are security cameras everywhere. People at home are not used to hearing the doorbell. They don't expect people just to show up. They are often on watch, and they expect when people come over that they're going to text them first and then they're aware that who it is. But to hear the doorbell, suddenly they say in Spanish, Estar de puntillas. They're, they're very, uh, they're walking on their tiptoes, like, who could this be? Lest it be an invader. Well, what about us during this advent? If our Lord so often alerts us to this being watchful, being alert, what is it for? Why do we do that during Advent? Well, in Advent, we are alert for, traditionally we say, for three comings of the Lord. There's a first, and there is a third, and one in the middle. The first, well, that was his coming already, in Bethlehem, when he came as a as, in the weakness of, as a, as, a ch- as a small child, he was a baby, he was weak. He came obscure, nobody knew of him, just a few shepherds and a few odd looking astrologers that came, that knew that he was God. So he came first hidden, but Advent also reminds us to be watchful. Because of Christ's final coming at the end of time, an event that will be powerful, that will not be hidden, that will tell everybody that history's last hour has struck, it will be the end of history, the end of history. It'll be a tremendous time. And for that, we certainly have to be alert. But now, in between these, there's the third, which is his coming here and now. Like his first coming in Bethlehem, this coming is hidden. It's obscure. Like Christ's first, final coming, though, it, it, it comes also in power. He says... Our Lord says in St. John, anyone who loves me will be true to my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our dwelling with him. That's how he would come now, when we are true to his word. Anyone who loves me will be true to my word. And my father will love him and, and we will come to him. He came as a babe. He will come in power later. But now he will come to those whom he wants to make a dwelling in, to those who are true to his word. What does that refer to? Well, to those who live the life of integrity. Those who live a life of honesty. A life of coherence between truth, they, what they believe and how they act to be true to his word. So we are here now, Lord, with you. And we want to live the norms of piety well. We want to work well out of love. The work that you have to do today, whatever it may be, small or large or whatever projects that you have, You don't want to do them simply to prove that you can do them well or out of perfectionism or inspired by human motives to show that you can do this or even that you can do it better than somebody else. Anyone who loves me will be true to my word. And my father will love him. And we will come to him. And we'll make our dwelling in him. Or with him, not something that the Lord wants to dwell with you as you work, as you do the norms. That um, that the Lord wants to dwell with us. So we're here with you now, and we're gonna being with you accept all the difficult and annoying things that come with the lockdown with the nature of the pandemic that we're living through now. We will pray, we can do that too now, that the number of cases start going down, that there not be deaths, that that maybe there'll be cases, but that there not be deaths. People not die from this. That the Lord take away this terrible scourge, which is the pandemic that we feel prepared. Not only prepared because we are wearing masks to protect ourselves, but that we be prepared inwardly. Like we do when we do the norms. I mean, when we do the norms, why do we do the norms? Why do we assist it at Mass? Imagine, many people cannot go to Mass. They can do the norms of piety. They can pray. They can read. But many of them can only assist a mass through through a computer. They have the doors closed to them. I was in Montreal the other day, and I I went uh, during the retreat for a walk, I went down to St. Patrick's Basilica, hoping to be able to go and pray during the day. No way, man, it was locked. I hadn't been there in many years. I wanted to go and just pray. And then when I went over to the cathedral, Montreal well I walked in there was a person at a desk hunkered down with a a face mask and and a shield and gloves and a table and distant from him was a was another table where I was to write my name my number and I was invited to sanitize my hands and that was just before going into church and he was taking note how many people were walking in. There was only just so many that could walk in. There was no Mass, it was just to pray. So many people cannot go to Mass and have these kinds of uh, measures of prudence imposed upon them. And uh, we ask ourselves, well, why do we do our norms? Why do we go to Mass? What is the reason that we live charity and do our work with love? We do not do it simply because it is because it is meaningful. Really, it is an expression of worship. Saint Thomas places worship under the heading of the virtue of justice. It is something ultimately, that we owe God. We are not doing the norms of piety because we get a good feeling out of it. It is something we owe God, who has given us everything that we have here and now and everything that we are, except our sins. Those are our our, our own The preface of the Eucharist expresses this when it says it is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation to give you thanks. We say that. Always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. So, some people, sometimes teenagers and whatever, when they go to Mass, they, they say they don't get anything out of it. Well, okay, you don't get anything out of it, but it's not what you get out of it. It's really we're here to give. We're here to give when we go into a normal when we go to mass, to give thanks, to praise, to adore. Really the holy liturgy turns us away from the self, turns us towards God. Only when God is at the center of our lives can we have any chance of true happiness and fulfillment. And that's why when we assist at Mass, we should have that same spirit of alertness, not allowing distractedness to come in. The Lord is saying, be alert when you're assisting at Mass. St. Augustine tells us why you have made us for yourself, O oh God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. We are really hardwired for God. We are made for him. So we should be moved to render that homage, that worship to God, never, get, never to get used to this, and give him thanks that we in this context in which we find ourselves in still are able to assist at mass. More and more people are not able to go to mass and uh, the way they have organized these rules of how many people in each church uh, has led to alienation people want to go to mass they desire to go to mass and sometimes they say no you're there's too many people here there's more than ten people so you can't come so we should pray for that. I mean there are many reasons that we should pray and feel it our duty to pray so that the the scourge of the pandemic desist, but that's one of them to, to help us normalize our relationship with God. It is our duty. It is our our honor to to assist at Mass and for priests of course to celebrate. when Moses approached God in the burning bush, he was told to take off his shoes because he was standing on holy ground. And that tradition, removing one's shoes, to reflect the fact that one was holy on holy ground, if you know, if if God had said just spoken to him, well of course God would Moses would know that he was in some way no that he was speaking to God, I suppose, but but this reflected it. So I, I was told that in some traditions in India, they um, they do that. The priest, actually, when he goes up to the altar, removes his, his shoes. I don't know if it's a Sero Malabar rite or which rite it is, but they take their shoes off and they celebrate the priest's bare feet as a sign that they are on truly holy ground at the altar. And that awareness that we have this duty is an expression of that vigilance that the Lord is asking of us, which is a vigilance of, ultimately, of conversion. Conversion to change our hearts. We ask that this really happened during this time of Lent, that that conversion take place. That we not simply get more and more um, involved in the many things that are that we have to do, and no doubt there are many things, it's a busy time, but that vigilance is be expressed in praying for the young St. Rayfield girls that come here, or that want to come here, but that can't come here, to keep in contact with them. Maybe we have to keep in contact now through Zoom, maybe through other ways. Many people are afraid to come because of the dangers and so forth. That's perfectly understandable. So we have to keep at it. We're still interested in them. We still feel the duty to do apostolate with them, to help form them. So let us have a lot of hope for the conversion that can take place during this time of Advent. If we read. The first chapters of the book of Genesis speaks about the wickedness of man on earth. And uh, when God saw all the wickedness and all the sins and all the bad things men were doing. There's a line that says the Lord was sorry that he had made man on earth. He was like, I wish I hadn't created man. He was sorry. And that's a very severe line and it underlines the absolute sovereignty of God that he has the power to wipe us off the face of the earth. He was sorry. It's so the Bible seems to suggest that God will destroy what he created. He was sorry. He said, you know, I I should just delete Secure, delete all these men that I have created that have sinned, but of course we know that's not going to happen. Mankind will be saved through the fidelity of one man, Noah, and on the earth will be, well, the earth will be, as we know, repopulated after the flood, and that's the image of the first chapters of of Genesis, this image of the flood, everybody's killed, but, uh, uh, you know, this just man brings about a new population. And of course, it points symbolically, well, it really happened, I suppose, but it also points to that, the fact that everything that God creates, he has always an aim, a purpose of saving And he does it through a righteous man or a remnant that brings about the salvation of the rest. So Noah is like a type of Christ. He's an image of Christ. Or a figure of Christ. Because, in our case, through Christ's obedience, God's mercy reaches all men. But the main focus here of our Lord's teaching is this this vigilance the stay awake a few years back there was massive floods in bangladesh and thousands of people were were uprooted and and many of them were killed because the 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 floods came very very suddenly and uh, and yet they knew that there were going to be severe rainfalls and they gave warnings but many of them did not pay heed to these warnings and their villages were just just taken out by the sudden rise of rivers and so forth so, and what about the virus the coronavirus some people have said it's some form of divine punishment to renew the, the earth like like the flood and though it is a tragic event, like a lot of suffering in one's life, well, it can be used by God to awaken us, to awaken humanity, to, to help us stay awake, to be vigilant to what is ultimately uh, essential. As you know, yesterday the Pope made 13 new cardinals in the Vatican. Not even, all the cardinals could not even all be there because of the virus from some countries, they had to watch the whole ceremony online. And so they will receive their cardinals hat whenever later on when they can get there. And these, well, at least 11 of them went and visited with Pope Benedict, Pope Francis and Pope Benedict in a warm atmosphere There was a lot of social distancing, very surreal, of course. But they were there in their cardinal's robes in red, which is, we know, the color of blood. But the Pope said that though it is the color of blood for a worldly spirit, it can become the color of a secular eminence. because cardinals are called your eminence, your eminence. And um, basically the Pope was suggesting you should not insist on being called your eminence. He said you should be ready for blood, the blood of obedience, the blood of gift of yourself. And of course, one of these cardinals was Cardinal Rainiero Cantón la Mesa, He asked for dispensation, so as not to be ordained a bishop. Normally, when you become a bishop, you become a card. When you become a cardinal, you become a bishop. But he asked. He's a Capuchin friar. He asked not to become a bishop, and he was granted that. And he also spoke about the pandemic. He said that that um, the pandemic has raised, has roused us from the greatest danger that is uh, this delusion that we have of our own omnipotence that we can control everything and yet it took that smallest little virus that formless little element of nature that we see represented in, in the media in, on the internet it took that little tiny little thing that speck to remind us that we are mortal and uh, not Military power, not our own intelligence, not our technology was sufficient to save us in that. That's why we have to be vigilant, to be alert, to be watchful, to stay awake. So we ask ourselves that, well, that, that how we can live that vigilance during this, this Lent. And also, in what ways am I not vigilant? In which ways am I not Blessed Mother will help us, to so guide us as uh, we prepare for this very, very unique and special time of Advent. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.